Welcome to Carrots and Suffering. I am Nate, your Dungeon Master and Diablo 4 addict. Leave us a rating and review because that's a nice thing to do. Let's get into it. Less time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes had violently interrupted laborers thinking they were nefarious cultists, an act that will surely have repercussions, perhaps legal and slow, but more likely swift and extraordinary. Well, then you should not tell him. You know, he looks at his two unconscious, one nearly dead companion. I, well, I won't tell him. I, I think there were 30 boats worth of people out there who realized something was up. I'm not that recognizable. She says in her yeah, giant hat. It was also night. I don't know how much they <laughs> how much they know it was us, but the death priest Imston, an 800-year-old elf on death's door, invited Bulane to give last rites, and instead received a kind of deathbed confession, exposing the ancient priest as a heretic bent on bringing back into worship long-forgotten gods from her youth. <sighs> and then Astragorian Contessa did something. I wasn't important enough then to know. But all of the gods went silent. All but ten. They killed our gods, Bulain. They literally killed our gods. Xeris used the cursed power of Nodig, his red dragon-possessed dragon-slaying glaive, to remove the mystical power and value from the bone dust previously stolen from Bulain's catacombs, removing the magic ritual component from the playing field. I'm talking about a ritual I happen to have learned that can remove the value of an object, usually rendering it inert for any purpose other than being the object. Our heroes visited the mercenary company, who hired the laborers constructing a nefarious ritual around the centuries-old dead dragon-turtle skeleton and with a crisp bribe, identified House Zestildi as Imston's accomplice, Coinlord, and found a warehouse where the ritual work was likely being conducted. Creighton just puts five gold on the table and slides it over. <laughs> Maybe that'll He work. scoops up five gold and says, All right, you didn't hear it from me, though. For five gold, you didn't hear it from me. And the Coinlord politics begins with outreach by houses looking for dirt on other houses. He is engaging in the coin lord politics and wants to put somebody at a disadvantage. I honestly do not see any harm in providing him the information he is looking for. Clearly he's already got plenty of information already. Let's get into it. All right, well, one thing I have not done is gone to look in on my granddaughter. Perhaps I could go talk to her next tomorrow, if she is in port. Ooh, I want to meet her. Yes, you all are welcome to come. I was thinking I would finish this game with, with Creedon. Yes, or at least absolutely. Actually, finish the game. Yes, Bulane. Do you mind if I speak privately with Cirrus? Not at all. Uh, she will go to the bar and actually do a message of sending to her granddaughter and say, "If you are in town, I am at the Ghost Ship Tavern." We'll be there momentarily. All right. Well, as, as Creedon, I assume is while we talk, uh, yeah, or? sure. But I, I feel like Creedon would have to roll with disadvantage because I can only imagine that she is dog shit at dragon chess. <laughs> she, she barely knows how the pieces move. <laughs> like it's a horsey. <laughs> I've again rolled a five, which scores me a ten. Uh, it's intelligence. Okay, I have a seven then with disadvantage. You don't do as badly as okay. you thought. <laughs> <laughs> So you wanted to talk about something. Yeah, um, I noticed in the lighthouse that you 
you cast a magical armor on yourself, and uh, that that's a trick that I know as well. One of the things that I know about it is that it's not something that you can learn in books. Which is why the particular type of magic that I do, well, it, it suits me pretty well. Sure. There are lots of sources for magic and power, though. I'm sure you've already seen that my power comes from the gods. Of course. I'm imagining that perhaps, like myself, you've found a celestial to uh, lend you some power? I've found a font of power and the ability to bolster my strength and combat acumen to better serve the truth and the gods. A ten. Check. <laughs> Ah, oh, Cretan puts her head in her hands, defeated. I mean, he said, he said check, not checkmate. So. Oh. <laughs> well, then Cretan attempts to move her piece futilely around. <laughs> I just would have never taken you as the type to, uh, to I suppose, seek out a, a patron for magic. It seems our travels together have broadened my horizons <laughs> and shown me that there can be a few other paths. And... That we don't have to forsake riches along the way. Well, I am all for that change. I have found this path to sometimes be a little uh, difficult. It, it asks a bit more of me than I had originally thought. So I suppose <laughs> I just wanted to tell you to make smart choices. I don't know if I always do. That's all right. We're 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 friends, and... Not only that, I've been ordered not to harm you, so don't worry about the choices you make. <laughs> I'm sorry, not to allow harm to befall you. Okay, that sounds a little better. Did you want to harm me? Checkmate. <laughs> no, of course not. No, no, of course not. I don't want to harm you, no. <laughs> that wasn't a no, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I worry if I may be getting in over my head, and mm. if that ever happens to you, let me know. I want to help you out. Sure, of course. You're important to me, Zerus. I've grown fond of you as well. I thought you were just a babysitter at first, but like you've saved my life a lot of times. That's because I'm an adequate babysitter. Because I'm a great babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> you, you really are. <laughs> but no, no, I've I've grown acquainted to you as well. And uh, I'm fond of you. <laughs> Aw. Well, good game. I don't like this game. <laughs> it's not for everyone. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to turn in. Good night. I get up and I walk out and I head to Taffrin's. Give me a d20 roll, please. Speaking of dealing with my patron, <laughs> that's an 18. You arrive at the estate of Taffrin Beachcrown. It is a opulent fairy manor. There's like a menagerie of bizarre-ass animals, a huge sort of hedge garden, a massive set of gates made of some kind of metal you've literally never seen before. And there's armed guards everywhere, and one of them steps up and says, Excuse me, sir, do you have an appointment? It's getting kind of late. Yeah, if you'll just tell Taffrin that his old friend Nodig and his new friend Zerus are here. Uh, yes. And he looks a little confused because he only sees one person. Mm -hmm. But he turns and, and walks in. And about five minutes go by and he comes back and says, Ah, oh, yes, uh, the master has agreed to visit uh, momentarily. Please follow me. 
All right, I follow. So you walk through this amazing topiary-filled hedge maze and arrive at this incredibly opulent like manner of marble, different rock formations. It, it is not of this world. It, it clearly is not something built by normal human architecture. And you walk in and he takes you to a study, which looks actually very much like any normal study, and says, uh, the master will be right with you. Is there any kind of alcohol serving tray or anything? Uh, he does point to like a bunch of different brandies that are out. I'll pour myself a glass and sit down in the most comfortable looking chair. So a very regal, very tall, thin elven man with very, very, very pale skin and kind of auburnish reddish hair walks in kind of skin and bones but like the the perfect cheekbones somehow and he says excuse me i was uh i was surprised to see a human throwing around the name nodig well we're in a bit of a partnership oh he mentioned that i should come and pay you a visit and i sip on my brandy and uh Looks like you're doing well for yourself here. Yes. Well, I have run the Western Isles Shipping Company and its associated ferry gates for 300 years. And I'm sure your bed grows ever large. I work on that, yes. You'll have to forgive me. You're a bit of an enigma. See, uh, my associates tell me you're a, a paladin of Sister Truth in good standing with the church. Yet you have walked in and used the name of the uh, the dragon god from before the empire <laughs> honestly it's a name so old it's older than man Wh well what is going on here sadly this this god as you say has been relegated to no more than a trinket i see and its power significantly diminished but to be honest i think that's what I needed to know. Well, my name is Trafferin Beachcrown, and my family lineage were, and in some circles still consider themselves a part of, the lineage of Nodig, father of all dragons. There's a fair number of sorcerers born in my family line from intermingling with dragons in the distant past. Distant past. I'm guessing... Maybe not so distant, but... Well, the Empire is 500 years old. It's older than older than I. And at this point, uh, many of the old ways are gone, extinct, expired, and removed. I mean, to put it clearly and plainly, I don't trust that this image before me is your true form. Oh. But that's fine. This is a form I much prefer to deal with. I would recommend sticking with this one, honestly. Mm -hmm. Here's the here's the trouble. You have you have come bearing the name of Nodig, and I have an ancestral obligation to assist you in issues that Nodig deems worthy. Well, I am concerned about the activity around the dead dragon turtle. Are you aware? I have been told that there have been some finaglings out there. I assumed, based on my associates, that it was about the lighthouse control contract with the Empire. Maybe, but someone 
has planted a ring of components entirely around the remains. He tilts his head to the side, and he's going to roll some dice. <laughs> and he says, how sinister looking. Quite. You wouldn't need to go to that length if you are just after the lighthouse. That doesn't make any sense. Especially when it's a ring of a hundred bodies worth of bone dust around it. He nods and says, I see. I am familiar with the many applications of bone dust. What does Nodig want to do about this? We discussed altering or stopping the ritual. There are a few choices. Do you know the nature of the caster who is going to lead the ritual? Oh, is it divine in nature? I imagine so. A supposed priest of the silent judge. But I have suspicions that's not who they serve. That doesn't sound right. Well, in an unrelated note, completely unrelated... <laughs> We were given tips that a vestige was here, a remnant of Vecna. Oh, an elven god. Fascinating. Sorry. It, mm. I, forgive me, I'm very old. An elven Entity. heresy. Yes. Yeah, let's go with that. That's, that's <laughs> much better. A, a poser god. Here's, here's, my, here's my immediate take on this. I have some mystical expertise. I am very familiar with the arcane arts, and I am guessing, based on the reagents, that this is an attempt to reanimate the, the creature. Presumably, over the years, archaeologists and, and herbalists and clerics have all reviewed the remains, and it is the presiding belief that the creature died of old age, which means it can't be resurrected. Mm. It is reached its natural limit. The silent judge has removed its soul. It cannot return. Which tells me that only a reanimation spell would be feasible with the remaining reagents. If your trinket, as you said, was looking for a new host, one with a little more physical prowess, I may be able to find some rather rare fey herbs that if added to the ritual would um, allow an entity to intercept the prepped vessel. All right. That that sounds like something that you should get to Jamud. Ah, yes. I've used Jamud's services in the past. I could step into this affair. It would involve me getting in between the shenanigans of other lords, but I am capable of doing so subtly. And what will you offer to grow this trinket's bed? I have amassed great wealth. I'm sure you have. And just a small token of partnership. I can do you one better. How about the exact location of the Horde of the Swamp's Black Dragon? That will do nicely. And he stands up and walks over to his study and sort of pulls out some, some reams of paper and comes back and slaps down a map of the swamp. The swamp is generally uncharted territory because it's like really difficult to figure out what is a stable piece of land mm -hmm. when you're in it. But he slaps this thing down and basically says, the lizardmen are experiencing a civil war at the moment. Faction has broken off to worship some... I don't know, crocodile thing. And Dragon has taken this as a personal slight. 
I think we all would. Yes, one of those factions is down here, and he sort of points to a spot on the map that is not too far from Turtle Bay, sort of northeast. This is the one that appears to be most interested in the crocodile. And then the traditional seat of our black dragon is here, and his horde is located in a snarled twist of trees, ancient and old, only accessible by going underwater through an archway made of tree roots. I see. Thank you. Anything in the horde when you claim it is yours. And my associates tell me that that dragon has been pulling together that horde for some time, having found and looted the horde of a recently deceased red dragon. And do you know how aged or the name of this black dragon? Well, yes and no. I know the name it calls itself, which is not necessarily the same as its true name, if you will. Of course. Bicenth the Silent Fang, self-proclaimed god king of the swamp. Again, aren't we all? Uh, Bicenth is definitely an adult, but far from an ancient. Dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Definitely. But currently preoccupied with trying to regain control of his rebellious servants. Hmm. If I have need of you again, I will return, and you're, you can seek me out if you need. I would love to continue conversing and negotiating with any associates of Nodic. Excellent. Tip my glass to him, finish it, and start walking out. All right. Uh, it was time for me to go to bed. Creedon, you are in the inn with Boulain when a group of pirates walk in. There are six of them. They are fairly well-dressed, but you can tell that they are still wearing seafaring clothes. And your guess is that they're pirates, mostly because they're definitely not navy, and they're definitely armed. How are their hats? <laughs> Stylish. Nice. Big and feathery, generally speaking. One of them goes, Grandma! Elaine <laughs> <laughs> winces a little at the name Grandma, but she gives her, a, <laughs> gives her a big old hug and says, Simi, it is good to see you. You haven't aged a day. I know. <laughs> she says, I, I bought you a little something. And she pulls out the hat that she bought for her the first day we were here and says, I thought it would be a good blend of your style and your grandmother's taste. She says, it's gorgeous. It's perfect, even. Uh, mate. And someone steps up and she says, this hat, back to the ship immediately. Give it a place of honor in my, in my cabin. They nod and disappear. And she says, so are you here with friends? This is my friend Creedon, and this is her friend Dread, and this is Max. <laughs> Creedon prestidigitates good smell on Max. And, and Boulain will signal the, the innkeeper to bring around a drinks. I'm going to make him smell like good old spice. <laughs> he he basically says, hey, I'm, I'm Max. I'm a churchy guy, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, I do what I can. I do what I can. And he, he sort of leans in and she she kind of tilts her head to the side and says, Gra Grammy Boulain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 12. Is this, uh, is this what I think it is? I have no idea what you think it is. Oh, okay. Let's get a drink, Max. <laughs> But I do need to talk to you, Simmy, before we head out for the night. Yeah, uh, let's do that first. All right. Max, give me give me a whiskey and I'll be right over. Also, tell me everything about you. 
How'd you get into the pirating life? Is it for you? Oh, I inherited it, and it's wonderful. Simi is a privateer. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. Privateering life. I work for the coin lords in particular, but it's a safer safer gig than just roughing it on the high seas. Comes with a little bit more respect, but, you know, still requires a good left hook. Do you have your own ship? I do. You're a captain? I am. That's why you have the biggest feather. Yeah, that's probably the reason. (laughs) What can I do for you, Grandmama? We have caught wind that there have been a lot of sightings of the Endurance. I wonder if... I wonder if you have seen it since you probably get a close look. We outran it a couple of weeks back. Yeah, we outran it. The Endurance gave chase and we outran it. There is something... Oh, gosh. I don't know how to describe it. They're not dead. They are undead? No. There's something else. Marauding cannibals? Unkillable marauding cannibals? Good gods. It's not not the Endurance. They are pretending to be the Endurance. They are a trashed ship. They look like a ghost ship, but if they get close enough, they're alive. You say you had to outrun it. Was it hard, or was the ship beat up enough that that was easy? It was actually a little difficult. My ship is fast, particularly fast. They look like an old trading ship, small stature, designed to go to one of the sort of little outposts on the edge of the of the Great Wastes. Sizable, though, probably a crew of a dozen. But one of the faster ships out there. We were faster, but uh, they got a little close before we managed to get the right tailwind. Well, Simi, have you been out since then? Oh, yeah. They... <sighs> okay. I'm not sure how to describe this, but you'll you'll believe me. Always. We outran the ship, but when the first rays of the sun appeared, it disappeared. Like it was never even there, not even a ripple in the water. Could this have been an illusion or magic? They threw a lot of spears at us. Before or after they went invisible? Before they went and disappeared. After the sun came up, we were safe. Like I said, not even a ripple in the water. But there are some spear holes, gashes, in the side of my ship, so whatever they were throwing wasn't an illusion, but it disappeared with them. Are you the only one they have chased, or has everyone been dealing with that? Other people have seen them. Seen them, but not been entangled with them. I can't guarantee that. It seems, if they get a hold of someone, they eat everyone on board and leave a floating empty ship. How many floating empty ships have there been? (laughs) Fishing boats? Several small ones. No pirate vessels, though, but that doesn't stop them from chasing. This is alarming, Simmy. I mean, I remember the Endurance, Tales of the Endurance, from when I was a little kid. What I can tell you is that is not the name of this ship. Did it have any name on it? Not that I was able to tell in the dark. It certainly didn't say the Endurance. Like hmm. I said, it looks like a shipping vessel. Old. Badly damaged. Looks like it's been through a typhoon. But you say the crew were alive. Very much so. Hmm. Shouting, whooping, hollering, begging, crying. I don't think they're sane, but they're there. Good grief. You would not think a crew like that would have the discipline to give significant chase, would you not? I wouldn't describe anything they did as discipline. Mm. Felt desperate. Mm. Whatever it is, it's madness. Well, it is my job to worry about you and also to warn you to be careful, but I probably do not actually need to tell you that. If you want to go looking for the Endurance, we could go starting a fight, but uh, if you'd want us to be careful, we'll just continue avoiding it. All right. What about the Pirate Queen? She's been a little quiet recently. The Navy has been... uh... (laughs) Clara just smiled big. (laughs) (laughs) The Navy has been grouping up for some reason. They're planning some sort of operation. 
Given where their current locations, they should all arrive within the next two weeks. But while they're grouped up like that, the Pirate Queen won't move on them. All right. That is good to know. <laughs> One less variable we have to worry about at the moment. So the problem that arose that made me ask you to help me get out of town before, I know that Taman is still around. Do you know if his friend is still around? His friend left town. You're, you are positive. 100%. Okay. Good. His friend asked a few too many questions. I assume you encouraged his leaving. I don't think you'll see him again. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that. Creedon, do you have any other questions for for 12? All of them. All of them. <laughs> She's like, were you born nine. in Turtle Bay? Uh, yeah, basically. Technically on the boat. Wow. That would be pretty rough. I mean, Turtle Bay is a great city. You can pretty much do whatever you want. Tell true. me about your mom. Boulain doesn't talk about her family too much. Nah, she was, she was a great woman. Terrifying. Truly a shrewd businesswoman and really good with sabers. Was? Is she gone? Yeah, she's gone now. Creighton looks sadly at Boulain. <laughs> Twelve's mother was captaining the ship when Twelve came along, so Seven and I mostly raised her in our house. And then when she was old enough, she went to sea with her mother. Sea life's a little dangerous, but you know, who wants to live forever? Speaking of not living forever, let's get some drinks, because there is a man with virtually no shirt on that wants to share a drink with me. I will not stand in the way of that. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> and she she does put a hand on her shoulder and says, be careful, Simmy, with the endurance. Oh. Also with Max's heart. Also with Max's heart. It was broken recently. <laughs> uh, he's giving off rebound vibes right now. I'll, I'll hang out with him a little bit. <laughs> a little bit of a confidence boost with two wonders for him. Well, I think I'm headed home to bed, so enjoy your evening. Absolutely. Creedon, you are talking with a pirate. Yep. When in walks, just a ripped guy. Absolutely, like head to toe. He is twice the size of your average man. You think he's maybe seven feet tall. He might have some giant blood in him. He's hugely broad. And he has a long sword strapped across his back. And he has some mail plating across his torso and, and thighs. And he looks around the room, heads up to the bar, gets a drink, walks back over, and looks directly down at you, Creighton. He's just like towering over you. Apprentices, today we tell the tale of the Eternal Two. The Fae have a peculiar custom. The rules of the world work quite differently in the Fae. While it is possible to accumulate much greater power, it is not uncommon for one who accumulates such power to declare themselves a god. This is, of course, unacceptable. It is unacceptable because to honor the gods there can be no falsehoods. However, in the days of Astragarian Contessa, at the founding of the Great Empire, the prophet herself went to the Feywild and discovered the truth of the matter for herself with the guidance of Sister Truth. In the realms of the Fey, there are two forces of nature, unbreakable laws of the universe that do not govern our mortal world. These two laws are the two gods. But in the Fey realm, the seasons are locations, and time is concurrent. It is not summer, 
but every summer eternal at once. This is the effect of the God eternal cycle, a God of seasons and time, but in truth, mostly time. This God of time holds a similar role to our silent judge, and there is no aging in the traditional sense, only time eternal governed by an offspring of the green man and the luminous one. Their priests are the rarest of the rare, for their power is undeniable, and of course, the followers shun the mortal plane, for all who enter fall into the purview of the silent judge, and so age and die. Then again, each season comes with a set of common traits bound into each citizen, as surely as divine mercy has given us all love and emotion. Summer is wrathful and fierce, while spring is joyous and idealistic. Autumn fearful and somber while winter is cold and harsh. It is perhaps more accurate to say that every denizen of the Feywild is a priest of eternal cycle. The second great law of the fairy realm is not codified in writing and reinforced by the church, governed in the ways of sister truth. No, in the realm Arcadia, the Fey are governed by the power of agreements. Oaths and pledges are supernaturally binding breakable only as a last resort, and carrying with it the penalty imposed by a vindictive god. Eternal knowledge. A god of every agreement between living and divine from the beginning of time. Clerics of eternal knowledge are numerous and known as the great oathsmiths, capable of forging and unforging agreements on behalf of the gods. There exists a few known priests, such as the heart render. Who trades hearts, emotions, and motivations. The archfey of immense power hold libraries of eons of such agreements in the names of this unwavering lawful god. The Pax, of course, delude in power with those touched by the rule of sister truth and divine mercy, and so the followers of eternal knowledge also shun the mortal realm. The will of the divine is undeniable. The realms separate yet connected, the people separate yet connected. It is heresy to bring the gods of time and the god of oaths to the mortal realm, just as it is heresy to take death and love into the fae. To challenge this balance is to challenge the gods themselves. Do not fear the fae, for they live here. They fall under the sway of our gods. But best not to stray too close to the fae wild, for you may find yourself abandoned by the divine and in unfamiliar lands. There's your lesson for today, apprentice. Back to work. Can I help you? You, uh, were you in the turtle last night? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Roll me deception. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, was, I was in the turtle, that bar down the street, right? That's a non-natural 20. Creighton's pretty good at lying. He looks at you and says, all right, do you know who was at the turtle last night? But why would I know that? One of the people at the turtle was wearing a Hawaiian shirt with no buttons. <laughs> I have seen dozens of people wandering this town <laughs> with Hawaiian shirts unbuttoned. <laughs> Max says, uh, you want me to, you want me to handle this one, Creighton? <laughs> she shrugs. Uh. I'm sorry, sir. Do I know you? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 who's Creighton? 
<laughs> Max snorts and says, this guy's really "Hey, big. sit down. We're hanging out. We're drinking drinks with a privateer, man. You you want to have fun? Have a seat. Have a seat." And the guy says, "No, I got I got business." And he takes his drink and he dumps it over Max's head. <gasps> oh shit! I respect that approach from Max, though. <laughs> Max kind of like pushes his hair back, sort of wringing the beer out of it, and says, Okay, okay, I don't know that I deserved that behavior, but I don't think we can still not be friends. Come on, bud. Have a seat. I'll buy you a drink. And he says, I'm here to challenge you to a duel. And Max kind of leans back on his chair a little bit and says, Oh, shit. A duel. People still do duels? <laughs> Twelve leans over and says, is it a regular duel or a pirate duel? Max leans back and is like, okay, okay. Um, so let me let me get this straight, buddy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out our social situation here. You came to get into a fight, right? That's, what I'm, that's what's happening here. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, you read it right. And Max is like, cool, cool, cool. And I'm saying I don't want to fight you. I want to be buddies, but you still want to have a fight. And the guy's like, yeah. yeah. He's like, okay, cool. So somebody's paying you to start a fight with me. And the guy's like, uh, I can't confirm that. And he's like, okay, okay, cool. So is this like a, like a, just a tussle to see who's tougher? And the guy touches his long sword and he's like, okay, so it's more than a tussle. It's more than a tussle. Max stands up, walks over to the bar, reaches behind it and pulls out his massive two-handed battle axe. And Turns around and says, I mean, we can have an, an extra big tussle if you want. <laughs> and divine power begins to radiate from Max's axe. Oh, shit. <laughs> Max, do you, want, do you want backup on this one? Gritty pulls out her little heart wand. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's a duel. Not that I know who that is. I have no idea. Yeah, not, I don't know which kind of duel we're doing, whatever. You know, we'll figure out the rules later. But I think this gentleman needs to, uh, I, I don't know, test my mettle. Before he can go home. So I think that's what we're going to do. Claire, roll me a d20 for Max's Intimidate roll. Oh, God. Oh, I've been rolling such dog shit today. I got a five on the dice. Okay. So the guy's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, let's see what you got. A real bar fight. Dread leans over to you, uh, Claire, to Creighton, and says, he's got skills. But Max is much stronger. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was a little worried because that guy's the size of a barge. But okay. You think he's got this? Mm, might be a little close, but Max Max is dangerous. I'm going to be ready to blast that guy if it gets too close. 12 says, no, let's get, let's get here. This is Turtle Bay. We use in Turtle Bay rules. We use in Fenrir rules. We use in Astrogar rules. Is it a pirate duel? Come on. And the guy says, look, we're in Turtle Bay. Let's use let's use the pirate duel rules. And Max is like, I don't know what those are, but I, if you insist, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> Twelve says, all right, everybody, let's head to the boat. Oh, we don't get to do it in the bar, man. Well, yeah, let's, let's go to the boat. <laughs> this is Creedon's best night ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Creedon gets up to and y'all are asleep. <laughs> we leave you alone for five <laughs> fucking minutes. And I'm going to become a pirate. <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking for the name of her boat. Oh, 
Body McBoatface. The Red Siren. In my mind, this guy is ah. just Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 12 dozen eggs every morning. 11, no, 12 every morning to help him get large. I anyway. saw you smile at my built like a barge mm-hmm. cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love Disney songs, but that's for another time. <laughs> so you arrive at this boat. It is a slim, speedy boat. It fits a crew of about a dozen people. It is called the Red Siren. It has a big red flag. You don't see a pirate flag, which is a little anticlimactic, but you're pretty sure there is one somewhere. You climb onto the deck of the boat. They take one rope from the mast and run it to one end of the boat. They take another rope from the same mast and run it to the other end of the boat. And they're like, okay, here's the rules. No touching the deck. As soon as you touch the deck, you're out. Oh, shit. Max and the stranger grab ropes. On opposite sides of the ship, the stranger has come ready for pirate rules, and wields a sword in one hand with a rope wrapped around his wrist and his foot. Max tries tying the rope to his waist in hopes that he'll be able to swing his two-handed axe. The two men fly towards each other as the duel begins. The stranger deftly swings across the ship, while Max careens, spinning uncontrollably, just attempting to keep his head above his feet. The two men slam into each other, and Max finds himself flailing in the face of true skills. Max's divine rage swells his muscles. He grabs the mast, climbing his way to higher ground and abandoning the rope. The stranger attempts to follow, but now Max has gained the upper hand. Holding the mast with his legs, he bends upside down to swing at the stranger, knocking him off the mast. Wounded, the stranger relents, releases the rope, and lands injured, but safe, on the ground. So Max lands, he is he is wounded. He has been stabbed repeatedly. But this guy is in far worse shape because he has been hacked brutally twice. And the guy lying on the ship's deck coughs and says, Okay, okay, you win. Max helps him up and says, Nice job, and punches him. And the guy's like, Oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> you lose, though. Drinks on you. Puts the guy in this friendly headlock and starts walking him off the ship. Dang, Max is hella cool now. <laughs> Twelve is like, okay, yeah, all right, I could do this. How late are you staying up partying? <laughs> I feel like Creighton's pretty amped and is does not usually stay up late because she appreciates her beauty sleep. But like, I mean, she's getting to hang out with pirates. So she's <laughs> gonna be up. This is this tomorrow. is her like out of her sheltered home party phase. Right, is just all in one night. I probably roll in like as the sun's coming up. Okay. It's going to be one level of exhaustion sort of next day. So Max tries to figure out who paid this guy. He does not roll well on persuasion. Oh, can Creedon try? Yeah, sure. Dread should try. And on persuasion? But he could listen. He could deduce it. <laughs> yeah, Creedon will walk up and say, come on, you lost. You You have to tell us. And uh, we'll get a... Gotta get back up to that part of my page. Uh, 17. 17, he's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think that was part of the rules, but I'll tell you what. You guys seem all right. And I'm just going to tell the guy that, you know, I tested him and they're actually a badass. So if he he wants to fight you, he's going to need to send his best people. uh, Yeah, the Zastildi house is uh, apparently pissed at you all for something. Ah, 
which is the same ones that we think are up to everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess we probably could have guessed that because we did get get that name before. But <laughs> anyway, I'm one of uh, the illustrious Artemis Astildes House Guard. Gotta be careful though. There's 25 more of me where that came mm. from. <laughs> Whale hail. <laughs> Yeah, well... He walks himself home bleeding. (laughs) The Dark Arbiters have our own numbers. (laughs) We're coming for you. You don't do that, right? Oh, she's had drinks. (laughs) had some drinks. Oh, God, she picks fights when she's drunk. (laughs) Creighton's very excited. He's he's in no shape to keep fighting, but uh, he seems to laugh it off and walk on out. Morning comes round. Creedon will be awake much later than everyone else. Is there anything you all want to do today? Yeah, we're going to go see the Admiral. Blaine, we have to find a way to stop this ritual. We can't We can't rely on any clever plans. The ritual cannot start. All right. What, why? What, what, what have you found out? I was talking with a contact, and I don't think any... Any single spell is going to stop the ritual. So we need to be a lot more proactive about it. All right. I have something I can do to prevent a casting, but we have to know who is casting it and where they are, and we have to be there. Yeah, we'll start looking around for who it is and how they intend to actually do it. I mean, I guess out of character, is it, it's probably Emston is probably the caster here, right? It seems to be a, a decent assumption. I mean, if it is her, then we know, and we just need to make sure to be where she is when she starts to cast it. So you head into the Admiral's office. Several people are, are ushered out immediately, and he says, hey, uh, what's the update? Blaine smiles a little bit and says, you, you are starting to make me feel important, <laughs> Admiral. Well, it won't last, but <laughs> you, I assume, didn't come back here for nothing. So Absolutely not. What's the state's business First now? First of all, uh, Emston is not the approved priest to take over my duties here, and you need to send for another from the temple, and I am worried about what happened to whoever they tried to send. Okay. Uh, second, we have investigated the mischief around the buoys in the bay. And we believe there is some pretty nefarious activity surrounding the turtle itself and the lighthouse. And we wonder if you could station a small garrison at the lighthouse to deter further activity out there at night. Oh, boy. Um, You're making a big ask here, because that's going to piss off at least one coin lord. Kindly roll me persuasion. She says if it helps, we know which coin lord. Not bad. That's uh that's a seventeen. So the current house owner, the person who owns the contract is responsible for the security, mm-hmm. is Nem Shavretsky. Mm-hmm. And if I give the Shavretskys cause to believe I don't trust them, I could violate that contract. Could you frame it as you are suspicious about the activities surrounding surrounding the lighthouse and you wish to bolster their security? I can, uh, but that gives them an opening to turn down my assistance and send their own security. Is that sufficient? Gulain looks at Zerus. Yeah, maybe our own plan of, of hiring our own people is the better one here. If they are beefing up security in whatever way, then 
you know, that would probably... Be, I mean, we basically need them to be on the island and shoot at anybody who shows up. It's the second part that I'm worried about. I don't I don't know that Hired will uh, do much than not let people on the lighthouse land, not boats around it. And the problem is what the boats are doing around it. Yeah, plus we don't really know if we can trust this other coin lord. I mean, it's possible that they could also be involved. I don't imagine they are owning it and having an interest in it but you know well admiral there is something that is going to take place on that island and it needs to not take place i'll make a request of the coin lord let's see if he will allow me to place my garrison there if he fights me on it but sends his own garrison that's probably the best i can do all right. We appreciate you sticking your neck out, Admiral. I do what I can, keeping Turtle Bay peaceful is like riding a tiger while holding its ears. I uh, forgot to mention the other day, Admiral, it's something that might actually interest you, unrelated. Uh, we sure. have recently discovered that there are people alive inside the Fenrir Thorn line. You had family there. Yeah, the Lunari family goes back to old Fenrir. I do not know that there is anything you can do, but I thought that might interest you, is all. I'll look into it. It's potentially very interesting. Plus, it's the Empire's duty to save people in distress. I do not know where they will get with that. Dread, Max, and Creighton are unconscious and ill-looking. They need a bottle of water and some carbs. <laughs> All right. What is Boulain and Zerus going to do? Wait, does Dread party? <laughs> Dread didn't drink much, so he needs less water and less carbs, but he was out real late. Good, he can bring it to me. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Boulain will go out and get five euros with extra fries and grease oh. and some water and bring them back for everybody. Wake up bright and early, slap Creedon on the back when I see her. Hey, <laughs> glad you're up. Oh, Boulain, is that a euro? Oh, you're my new patron. I love you. Call me your euro. <laughs> <laughs> you are my euro. Oh, I forgot to say before we started recording, I just watched the Tetris movie. Highly recommend it. It is <laughs> such a ride. <laughs> It is a wild movie. And it features okay. a song I Need a Hero sung in Russian. So, like, if that's not uh, enough to sell it to you, I don't know what will. Since we derailed, I'm going to go grab my dice. <laughs> you should definitely go grab your dice. It's Mandy's fault, though. It is. Gonna totally my dice. fault. Totally derailed it. No. I did go see the D&D movie, Robert. Have you seen I it yet? I have not. So great. I, it was pretty damn fun. I guess it's, that's a recommendation. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a recommendation. <laughs> Ah, uh, we'll see. It was everything a D&D &D movie is supposed to be. That's excellent. I don't know, man. Nothing's going to beat Jeremy Irons chewing that scenery to death. Mm. Mm. Today I get to roll my Creedon dice. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, you, you, get the, you get the new dice from Julie? Yeah. Yay. They're so yeah. cool. They have little, they have skulls in them. <laughs> Am I the baddie? Maybe. No, but you're the cutest little baddie we ever had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's like an angry kitten. <laughs> <laughs> True.
So day three, Max and Dread roll out of bed. Dread is pushing Max, who has now overdone it two days in a row. And Max says, hey, we got some leads last night on who could be our third party member, you know, to get Sharp Edge of the Pub back up and running. So uh, I think we're going to go, like, interview him this morning. You guys want anything else done? Who did you find? Oh, man, that uh, that guy that wanted to throw down with me on the boat, He's he's up for an interview. There was a throwdown on the boat? Oh, yeah. No, it was... Oh, yeah. Max is really cool. Yeah. There was a guy that came in, like, challenges to a duel on behalf a of pirate the duel. coin lords. It was awesome. Which coin lord? Zestilde. Boulain looks at Zerus says, well, they were upset about the activity at the lighthouse? I mean, they didn't, they didn't like, say that. Basically, they came out and they were, like, testing our iron and I uh, whooped him. So, I don't know what that means. And Dredd says, it means that if they decide they don't like us, or they can't use us, they will send very powerful people. Oh, good. Was it a regular duel or pirate rules? Max is like, pirate, pirate rules. rules. I'm never dueling another way ever again, man. <laughs> it was so cool. He was swinging around on ropes. Mm. It hit the other guy with his axe a bunch. It was pretty tight. It was pretty close. But he pulled through. Pirates duel on ropes? It's a swinging affair. They put them on ropes at opposite ends of the ship and they cannot touch the deck. Huh. That's one way to do it. If you are thinking of swinging monkeys, you would not be far off. I'm thinking of two people getting ropes tangled and then kissing while trying to wildly swing at each other because they're too close. That would have also been very cool, but this was different and very cool. Best strategy I ever saw was somebody tangled around and they twisted and then he just cut the ropes. I was going to say, why not just cut the rope? Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Dredd says, I think it's probably less lethal than a normal duel because there's an additional lose criteria. Yeah, all right. This is true. That makes some sense. When you're at sea and you have two pirates dueling, you would really prefer them not to die because you need the crew members. So Max says, yeah, we got a couple of leads on people. There's someone called uh, Miri Softtouch that I'm supposed to interview. And then someone named Owen the Shield. A couple of other local mercenaries looking for work. So I'm going to go interview some folks. I would be surprised if Owen comes with you. He has his whole family here. Oh, you know Owen? Yes, we met him in Palmville. Oh, okay. So is that like a like is that like an endorsement or should I like... I, he's, he is a blacksmith. Hmm. That doesn't sound useful for dragon fighting. All right. Okay. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Come on, Dread. Let's go find these people. Wait, Miri Softtouch was from Highlock. Miri Softtouch was the head of the Southern <laughs> Thieves Guild. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> You're bringing all the characters back. <laughs> Just the combatants. We never actually met Miri. Mm. Where's Bella? <laughs> this lineup. Palmville. Bella apparently can't leave Palmville. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, what shall we get up to today? We should sleep. How do you think Zestilde will, will take the direct approach? Well, in some ways, he has already approached us. Indirectly. Yeah. So we just go say hi and parlay. You want to just knock on his door? I'm sure it'll be a little more complicated than that, but yeah. All right. We should go do that. All right, let's go. Okay. We got Buttercup. We got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that Euro treats you all right. Creighton has to, if you have a spare veil that she can wear to shield her eyes from the sun. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a hat. You've got a broad brimmed hat. Oh, yeah. Do I have my hat? <laughs> I'm rolling for it. I do have my hat. There you go. 
Okay, so you head out to House of Stildy, which is this this massive Pueblo-style manor. It's down toward the waterfront. It has its own little warehouse district surrounding it. And basically this big adobe retaining wall that runs around it, it frankly looks like a fortress. It has a massive gate, wrought iron and decorated. And past the massive gate is a small garden mostly rocks and pebbles and things, like nothing to take care of. There's a few cacti plants that are decorating it, but you don't see any gardeners or anything. And at the gate, there are four really well-armed, highly trained guards. Gentlemen, we would like an audience or appointment with Zestilde. Can I ask who's speaking? Sure. My name is Zerus Alivar, and I am a representative of Sister Truth. Hmm. He pulls out a little rock, and he says into it, Church official at the front gate, Zerus. And he, he waits for a little bit. And then you hear, out in a minute. And he puts his little rock in his pocket. After about a minute or two, a late middle-aged man with just a couple of thin, wispy, grayish, blondish hairs, a skinny dude with a vest and glasses, comes out carrying a ledger walks up to the gate and says, <clears throat> I am um, uh, Mr. Zestildi's personal assistant, and I can confirm that while you do not have an appointment, we always give priority to the church uh, whenever it is necessary, and so I'm happily make one. Can I ask what the business is about? I'm going to guess that the less people that I am direct with, the better for Mr. Zestilde. So... Understood. It's about recent happenings and... This is a cordial visit. Excellent. Well, if you would be willing to leave your weaponry in the gatehouse, I can bring you in right now. We have a sudden cancellation. If you'd like to carry your equipment in, however, I will have to make an appointment for this time tomorrow. Well, I certainly don't like that. Would peace bonding be sufficient? I'm afraid not. We have a, a strict policy. If anyone's going to bring weapons onto the establishment, security must have one full day's notice. I think we should see you tomorrow, then. Very well. Bulane, Creedon, any thoughts? I have no weapons on me of consequence, but I understand that you do. <laughs> yeah, I also have no weapons. <laughs> 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 yes, well, then I shall alert security to your appointment, and we will see you here tomorrow morning. Great. See you tomorrow. And he turns around and walks back in. The next item of interest on my list, Boulaine, is the warehouse. I don't know what's on your list. I should like to find Emston. How would you suggest we go about doing that? I'm not sure. She seemed to indicate that she planned to leave the inn where Creedon met her. She looks at Sadie and says, do you feel like scouting out the town and seeing if you can find her? Actually, hold on. Got to rewind. Does Sadie talk? <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I was just I was just going to roll with this. Yeah, no, you get an emotional connection in your mind that goes, uh, no. <laughs> Lazy bitch. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, she will say to Sadie, go ahead and stay aloft of wherever we are when we are outside. I would like to know if you spot her. Sadie flies up and takes a perch at the top of one of the buildings. I do not know what else to do. All right. I need two days before I can cast the spell I would like to cast. We're in Turtle Bay, and let's do as they do. So, if I could get 25 gold from everybody... Four. We'll go hire ourselves a spy. 
Actually, that's not a bad idea. That is not a bad idea at all. She will hand over 25 gold. I will do it as well. And I cringe because I know what you're going to do with it. <laughs> I'm going to pay a spy. Oh, you are actually going to pay a spy. Okay. You'll get your change back. Or, I'm just saying, we could investigate this ghost ship. We know that it was disguising itself as a trading ship of Sasks. Well, let's do that as well, then. Let's hire a spy, get information from them again tomorrow, and spend today looking for a ghost ship. Do we want to enlist 12 in her crew? Yes. We're going to need some kind of seafaring boat that can handle combat, right? We will need to see if they are willing. They had to outrun it before. Yeah, you should know that it does not sound like it is actually a ghost ship. She said that the crew were alive and that they were marauding cannibals. I Marauding unkillable cannibals is what she had said. I wasn't actually proposing that we go hmm. chase this ship, but maybe just try to gather some more information as to how a ship sailing under Seth's banner is full of unkillable people. She did say it disappeared at daybreak, but yes, she said the crew were unkillable cannibals. Hmm. All right, let's go hunt a, some kind of base. If they're people, they have to be somewhere. But first, which mercenary company do you think is most appropriate to find a spy at or some kind of investigator? She says, well, there are a few private investigators I could point us to. Maybe one of them would be willing. Let's go to the first one available. All right. They walked into my office. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cherry red lipstick, a cigarette on their lips. Legs up to here. <laughs> turns out Boulain's all legs. And in a fantasy setting, you're like, that's a lot of legs. Right. It turns out Boulain <laughs> likes to walk on her hands. Her legs are just all up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> And that is our show for today. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. How will House Sestildi respond to these meddlesome whelps? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.